It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. I'm Emily Campagno, and this is the Fox True Crime Podcast. Just three weeks after Long Island serial killer suspect Rex Yorman was arrested for the murders of three women discovered near Gilgo Beach, New York, a groundbreaking discovery was made in the case. During a press conference on August 4th, Suffolk County District Attorney Ray Tierney announced that a woman who had long been dubbed Fire Island Jane Doe had been identified as 34-year-old Karen Vergata. The severed legs and feet of Karen were found in 1996. It wasn't until 2011 that her skull was found off Ocean Parkway. Karen was last seen in 1996 on Valentine's Day, but was not immediately reported missing. The investigation into her murder is still ongoing. Rex Yorman's lawyer has said that his client maintains his innocence. Joining me now to discuss the latest updates in the Long Island serial killer case is attorney and retired NYPD inspector Paul Morrow. So what are the latest developments that you've been tracking and paying close attention to? So right now, what appears to be happening is that he, you know, it's come down now to the legal wrangle. Obviously, he's pled not guilty. I think one of the more interesting things that I've seen is that he has been assigned a public defender. Everybody who's working for him is being paid um, by this Suffolk County. Um, which means he didn't have, he was adjudged not to be able to afford um, a lawyer. And so what they're doing, it looks to me like, is preserving what little there is of the estate for the family. And so he is going to be dealing with attorneys who are all but volunteers. Um, I can tell you that I have information, I don't know if it's out yet, um, that there is at least one more attorney who's going to be joining his defense team. And then, as I said, that defense attorney is likely not going to be paid, or if so, at a very low level um, with county funds. And so what does that mean? That means that the attorneys are joining for the publicity value. And, you know, that also means that you're talking about maybe an early tell that this case could go on a long while, even to trial, because there isn't a whole lot of publicity in an early plea deal. So his defense team seems to be expanding. They're not uh, these um, high-expense attorneys. And um, I think that we actually, incredibly, might see a trial on this guy, whereas previously, with the strength of the evidence, I had thought perhaps we would get a plea. But I think... He may be signaling to them, and, you know, we've seen flashes of his arrogance. He may be signaling to them, no, I'm going all the way with this thing. Sometimes, Paul, people have questions about, you know, how someone could ever be a defense attorney for someone like this. And when you take aside the, um, you know, the integrity of the system and the critical and crucial role that defense attorneys play in ensuring that defendants are protected against the state and that charges are commensurate and that procedures are followed and the like. And a lot of people ask, why do you sign up for this? 
Yeah, so, you know, obviously it's a difficult question, and, and that is the hard part of our adversarial system. But um, every attorney at some point has had a client that he or she really doesn't care for. But you learn very early in law school that a foundation of our system is that you have to do your best no matter who the client is, even if you believe your client is guilty. And this is one of those cases where I am sure a lot of a lot of attorneys would have a very hard time being around somebody like this. Um, look at the Koberger case. Um, the evidence there, I would argue, is just as strong, and it's based on DNA. And according to the latest reporting, the chances of the DNA that they extracted from his cheek, the buckle swab, when compared to the DNA on the knife sheath, the chances of it not being Brian Koberger are an octillion to one which is a one in 27 zeros. It's more, it's, it's a higher number than all the grains of sand on earth. So it's his DNA on that knife sheath. Now he's got not only a public defender, but a woman. And you can imagine how she must feel in light of what it looks like he did, but it's part of our system. You just have to accept it and you do have to do your best and you have to think about it in terms of what I'm doing, I'm doing in service of the law and not necessarily this client. I'm doing this for the integrity of the system. It's a higher purpose. And you have to put aside any sort of prejudices you may have over the fact that your defendant makes your skin crawl. And it's, uh, you know, we're, we're seeing some of it now in some of the political theater that's going on at the national level between Hunter Biden and Donald Trump, et cetera. Um, people don't often get the client that they want, but at the end of the day, you have to do your best for that client. That's right. And, and even recently, um, Yorman's attorney opposed prosecution's request to take that cheek swab from him, arguing that they had right. failed to demonstrate that probable cause that he had killed the three women. Now, the judge ordered um, the state Supreme Court Justice um, Mazzi that, that indeed they did have enough probable cause and ordered prosecutors that, yes, they could obtain that sample from him. So given that, do you foresee, Paul, that there will be future identified matches linking this suspect with some of the bodies that have been found or the Jane Doe's that have been found in New York? Could be. This will be the first real chance to do it. Um, you know, the, the uh, versions of DNA, samples you get of, of DNA from, you know, pizza boxes and things like that, are not going to be as clean and fulsome as what you get from a buckle swab. And um, again, an early indication that the Herman case may go very much the way the Kohlberger case is, which is kind of an arrogant defendant who is indifferent to all the evidence piling up against him because the opposition to the buckle swab, while the guy is under arrest, okay, and all this evidence against him was a totally frivolous motion. And I think if I were the judge, I would, I would have taken it, skimmed it and said denied because, um, you know, the, the, the standard here for probable cause um, to take a buckle swab in light of the circumstances is ludicrously low. There's no way they were going to win that, especially since um, a big part of the probable cause for arrest that was developed came from DNA. Uh, were he innocent, you would think he'd want a buckle swab, you know? Yeah, compare my, you know, take my cheek DNA. You're going to see it's not me. 
So, you know, that was a ridiculous Hail Mary motion. And that let me know, wow, you know, and I mean, they're really dug in and they're going to make as much noise as they can and throw as much sand in the gears of this case as they can. I was surprised at that. Uh, you know, even Kohlberger's uh, situation didn't go that way. Okay. They, uh, they've never challenged the buckle swap. They took it, my understanding in Kohlberger, they took it right at the arrest in Pennsylvania. They had the search warrant in hand. But um, uh, to my knowledge, they've never challenged that buckle swap. So, yeah, you know, in this case, you'll have now you have a real clean DNA sample. And if you load it up into CODIS, which is the national database for DNA samples, potentially you'll get a hit. But just remember, that system is still comparably in its infancy. Um, a lot of the samples that go up there were done back in the day when a lot of these standards and procedures were not, were not standardized. And um, hits in CODIS are pretty, pretty rare. Uh, unless you have like a real case that you're comparing against where you really think, okay, this is my guy, but it's possible, you, you know, it's, it's quite possible. And you have to hope that if he does have other victims out there that have not been identified, that good procedures were followed and people took the effort to upload that uh, DNA samples that they have up into that system, whether it's in Vegas, uh, whether it's Atlantic city or South Carolina, all the places that he has supposedly been linked to, where there's some speculation he may have been active. We're going to take a quick break. More from our guest after this. The world of business moves fast. Stay on top of it with the Fox Business Rundown every Monday and Friday. Listen to the Fox Business Rundown starting May 20th at foxbusinesspodcasts.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Okay, for final thoughts, Paul, is there anything, so other than this really exciting DNA um, information and the, and the possibilities here, is there anything else that you are keeping an eye out for coming down the pike, any motions to be filed or any developments out of Suffolk County that you are keeping your eye on? Well, he's adding, um, you know, attorneys. So it, it, it looks to me like they are really going to dig in and fight it. This is a case, I would say, where it's unfortunate that we don't have the death penalty. Because in Idaho, because you have the death penalty, you have a bargaining chip, and you may ultimately get to the point that Koberger will bargain for his life and take a plea and explain why he did what he did. Because that's a real mystery there. And the same thing goes for Hurman. I think in Hurman's case, the why is a little less... Uh, of a question. He just seems to be a serial killer, you know, a, a psychosexual serial killer. But you do want you do want to know, did he do all the bodies out in Gilgo and are there others out there? We don't have the death penalty bargaining chip here. And so you're starting essentially at life, 25 to life this is what you'd get in New York on a case like this. And he's going to fight it tooth and nail. Maybe in the back of his mind, he thinks he's going to get out someday, or at least he'll be a celebrity in prison. I don't know what his end game is here, but we are entering the litigation period of this thing, and it looks like it's going to be litigated. It's going to be a courtroom drama now. I haven't heard that they've been able to put him uh, into any of the other bodies, okay, including the newly identified one. And I'm frankly a little skeptical that they're going to be able to at this point, but maybe with the good DNA swab, they will be able to do that. I just have not heard through any of my sourcing that they have other DNA samples out there on Gilgo that they can compare to. So this may be it. And it may be just three bodies and we never know the rest. Hmm. 
Paul Morrow, as always, thank you for your insight and really incredible analysis. We will absolutely circle back as soon as anything develops, which, given the tenor of this case, is likely soon. You got it. To hear more stories like this, you can listen to our past episodes on the Fox True Crime Podcast. Go to foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts to listen and subscribe. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts, and Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. If you have a story or topic you want to hear on the show, we'd love to hear from you. Send us an email at truecrimepodcast at fox.com. The world of business moves fast. Stay on top of it with the Fox Business Rundown every Monday and Friday. Listen to the Fox Business Rundown starting May 20th at foxbusinesspodcasts.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts.